0: Welcome in, everybody. I'm Bobby Levine. Alongside me is Jackson Schroeder, and this is the JB Weekend Wrap-Up, everybody. Welcome back. Jackson, how you doing, baby? I'm doing pretty well, Bobby. How you doing? Excited for everyone
1: to hear hear this week. We got got some good stuff coming your way.
0: Absolutely. I want to give a huge shout-out to my intramural softball team, the Leftovers, coming back, (laughs) winning in extra innings. We are in the championship tomorrow night, so next week, guys, I'll give you... An update on whether we won or not. We're gonna jump right back into the NFL so far, Jackson. After just a quarter of the season, who is a surprising story for you?
1: Well, just through uh my most surprising story is Carolina. And I think that's everybody's most surprising story up to this point. They just have been underperforming. They stay, stand at one and three. Cam Newton's getting banged up, he's finally injured, getting blown out by the Falcons. The Falcons were who we were all expecting to be one of the worst teams in the league going into this year. I had them on my bottom four. I think everyone did. If you looked at any power ranking, they were on the bottom four, Panthers top four. What's happening
0: with the Panthers? I have no idea. I think they're having a down year after a Super Bowl loss. You usually see that with a lot of teams. That year after you lose, they have a slow start, and a lot of them don't make the playoffs. It's hard to bounce back after such a a demoralizing loss like that. Unfortunately for Cam Newton, he's in trouble right now with the uh, concussion protocol. He's been hit multiple times on, on very, very hard hits, whether it's been the Denver defense or the Minnesota defense or even last week with Atlanta. Atlanta was hitting them hard and took him out of the game in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've had a tough schedule up to this Atlanta point, and that's why I was still excited to see what they could do on this season. But after that game, they are not the team that they were last year. And, and to your point, we do see Super Bowl teams coming back, and, the, and they struggle the next year. They don't start out
0: 1-3. No, not at all. I'm very surprised with you, but I'm going to look at the positive here. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. They are 4-0. and They have the best defense in the NFL, and they're playing without their two best playmakers on the field. They had a starting quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater from Louisville, and then they have one of the best running backs of all time, and Adrian Peterson go out. Peterson went out game one, and then after or game two, excuse me. And then uh, Bridgewater has not played a single snap. They've got a backup quarterback starting the first game in Sean Hill. They win that game. Sam Bradford steps up after signing with them and has led them to four and zero. They have Matt Asiata running the ball with Jerick McKinnon, and they are absolutely winning games with, uh, with unbelievable passion in offense. They beat the Giants on Monday night 24-10. to 10. I mean, the home field advantage there for them in Viking territory, the purple people eaters, are <laughs> destroying it. Unbelievable. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Packers. And here's a stat for you, Jackson. The Minnesota Vikings become the first team in NFL history to beat three former Super Bowl quarterbacks in back-to-back weeks. Not winners, because Cam Newton never won it, but they beat uh, Aaron Rodgers week two, they beat Cam Newton week three, and then Eli Manning here in week four.
1: That's crazy, and I do think it's all credited to the defense. When, you're, when you've got Teddy Bridgewater, your starting star quarterback, and Adrian Peterson, possibly the best running back ever, besides like Jim Brown. But uh, when you've got both of those star players out, you have to rely on your defense, and this they've really stepped up. They've allowed, through four games, they've allowed a total of 60 points scored on them. That's it. And through the past two games, it's just 10 each. Yeah. That, that's crazy stats, and you don't see that. And if they can continue to play this way, they, they've already been through the hard part of their schedule.
0: Yeah, they have a very lighter end coming up, but I want to go back to what you said about that defense. Three teams in a row of great offense with Aaron Rodgers of the Packers, Cam Newton in the Panthers, and Eli Manning and the Giants holding them to... Uh, under two touchdowns to each team, which is great to say, and also, I mean, you got to look at it. These guys have a backup quarterback starting for them right now. They got rid of him in Philadelphia, and now he's coming. And I think Teddy Bridgewater got rid of him in St. Louis, and St. Louis as well too. too. Sam Bradford, he's gotten his second life. I think we're looking at it. Peterson's looking like okay, I can come back week eight possibly, and just start carrying the load again, like he has been the last how many years he's been in the league. I think Teddy Bridgewater's in a very, very tough position right now because I know all the Minnesota Vikings are looking at this like Sam Bradford's the answer right now. Bridgewater's done for the year. Is he going to get a chance next year is the question.
1: I don't think he will. Uh, uh, The Vikings fans don't want to see any changes as of this point. Right now, no, absolutely not. I I mean, if they fall off, which I don't think that they will, they've proven so far that they are a strong team and they're here to stay, and – I don't think Bridgewater gets another shot as the starting quarterback of this team. I'd love to see him go to another team that needs a quarterback, maybe the Browns.
0: Yeah, I know your Browns definitely (laughs) need some help at the quarterback position. All right, moving forward, we're a quarter into the season, four games in for most teams. Who was your first quarter MVP?
1: Well, this is surprising. My first quarter MVP, if you would have asked me before this year, before this season, I wouldn't have even had him in my top ten. And that's Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has been so impressive through the, through the first four games. He has he thrown for a um, – a, he, he leads the NFL right now. He's thrown for 1,473 yards on the season. He has 11 touchdowns.
0: Yeah, he's unbelievable. Absolutely destroying it. Threw for 500 yards last game but I'm going to switch it up on you. I'm going to go with his other offensive playmaker. I know he doesn't throw the ball, but he catches it and scores touchdowns a lot, and that is Julio Jones put up an outrageous number last week against Carolina. 12 receptions, 300 yards on the dot, one touchdown. He is one of six receivers all time to ever receive over 300 yards in one single NFL game. He caught for over 100 against Oakland. I mean, he is absolutely destroying it right now, and Matt Ryan is loving the throw his way. Big Julio Jones from Alabama.
1: These Falcons are rolling right now, and I, I see them continue to do so. I mean, Matt Ryan has had the best year of his career so far since his rookie season. It's actually better than his rookie season to this point. We'll see if he can hold through. Has Is it an NFL low, two interceptions? Yeah. I believe it is. Two
0: interceptions, 11 touchdowns crazy numbers for Matt Ryan and the thing that I like about this Falcons offense that nobody is talking about because they have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones is their tandem at running back they got lightning and thunder with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman who have both over 120 yards Uh, Devontae Freeman's got 322 he's got one touchdown then Tevin Coleman's their goal line guy he's got four touchdowns on the year Unbelievable job for both those running backs. I know fantasy owners all over the league don't know what to do with themselves right now because they're getting so many points from this high potent offense, and I don't see anyone stopping them. I mean they've been they've been blowing teams out left and right. They beat up on the Raiders in Oakland. They put up 45 against the New Orleans Saints, and they put up 48 against the Carolina defense. What is going on?
1: No, I mean I I I did I've got to apologize. I did not give Devontae Freeman enough, enough credit going into this year. I thought that he would struggle after his impressive year last year, but that happens with breakout players that are unexpected. They'll have one good year. So I didn't see this offense improving. I didn't see this defense improving. We'll see, though, Bobby. They were 5-1, and 6-0, 5-1 last, last year.
0: Before the wheels fell off. And this coming part of the schedule gets very, very tricky for them. They've already played two road games, one in Oakland, one in New Orleans on that Monday night. Now they go to at Denver, and then they go all the way to Seattle for back-to-back tough road games on the West Coast. If they can get through these two games, either splitting it or going 2-0, and they are the real deal and definitely the best team in the NFC South by far.
1: If they can do this, put up those sort of offensive numbers on a Seattle defense, then they have my vote. I'll, I'll be on the Falcons' bandwagon.
0: All right, now looking at the rest of the NFL, there are multiple teams that are 1-3 or 0-4 do any of these teams have a chance of finally waking up and making the playoffs Jackson
1: I believe the Carolina Panthers have the best shot at 1 or 3 and 0 oh and 4 I think that they still have the talent on their team Cam Newton's going to come back he's only out for a week or so even if that still uncertain for the uh, for this upcoming week with the concussion but Carolina they they're in a weak division even though the Falcons are playing well you look around that division you've got a Buccaneers team that can be that can beat you it can beat you but they but they're weak overall they can either lose by a million or win by a million you never know and the Saints they struggle they've got no defense Carolina plays the Saints and I think they'll put up a ton of points and those are the next two games I think they've got a weak schedule going on um the strongest team they play will be the Seahawks on December 4th and uh, besides that I see them possibly winning out and they'll get back on track.
0: All right, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals who started also 1 and 3. They lost to the Patriots at the Bills and against the Los Angeles Rams who are outstanding so far at 3 and 1. The upcoming games they have, I know Carson Palmer might be out with a concussion protocol as well, just like Cam Newton, but they go to Sam Fran. San Fran is not the team who we thought was going to come in the year. I know they have quarterback issues. I mean, I don't know if anyone even had them being any good, but no. they should get the win in Sam Fran, and then they go back home and play the New York Jets, who are also 1-3, and, and that should be a do-or-die game for both those teams before they start getting to the meat of the schedule. But if Carson Palmer can come back healthy, they have an unbelievable offense. they got players all over the place, including David Johnson, the running back, who has already 300 yards so far. And receiving core, they've got one of probably the deepest out there, Larry Fitz, John Brown, they got Michael Floyd and Jaron Brown they got guys all over the place that can catch the ball, even their tight end, Jermaine Gresham. So we have to watch out for them.
1: That's right. And without that one game in week three, Carson Palmer would have still a good touchdown-to-interception to ratio. Right now he stands at 6-5, and five, could improve. He's got a, a 1,150 yards on the season. He could stand to improve, but he has the talent and the,
0: and the utilities to get rolling, and the Cardinals have a viable chance too. Okay, so any team in the NFL, this can be a four and0 team, a three and one team, a two and two team, one and three team or an O and four team. Anyone pressing the panic button right now for you?
1: Well, if I was the Arizona fans, I would be pressing the panic button i I don't like I don't like their chances. I could see it. I could see it, but people were expecting them to be in the top four this year. And they they were expected to go thirteen and three. That was what I kept hearing over and ever over again. Every single NFL preview I had read. And guess what? They've lost three already. So you think they're going undefeated? I don't think so. I think they won't make the playoffs this year. I think they'll be around nine and seven. But um I would be panicking if I was a Cardinals fan.
0: I've got two teams and they're both from the same division. Number one, the Dallas Cowboys. They are three and one right now. I Ooh, know everyone's okay. saying, What are you talking about? The next three games, they play Cincinnati at home, they play at Green Bay, and they then come back home and play Carson Wentz and the Eagles. I don't see them winning any of those games. They go from 3-1 and one to 3-4 and four very quickly, and everybody's pressing the button. Where Where's Romo? Because Dak Prescott's going to be hurting for a job at that point. I think Zeke carried a big load so far with all the other running backs there, but I don't know how long this offense would stay up. They barely beat San Fran last week in San Fran. I know it's a way game for them, but you've got to beat up on the weak opponents. Blaine Gabbard is not an elite quarterback. Now, I'm not saying Andy Dalton is, but I think the offense around him makes him a better quarterback than what he would be in any other system. I think Arizona, not Arizona, Green Bay, excuse me, the week after in Green Bay is going to take it to Dallas, and I think Carson Wentz is going to be hungry again for another big-time win against a great team. That's going to be a, an eight thirty game there.
1: I I agree with you, but I like what they've done so far with these two rookie players. Ezekiel Elliott is is uh is in first place in the league right now rushing the ball. And I think that him and Dak Prescott have so much energy around them that they make the Cowboys exciting to watch again. And I if I was the Cowboys organization, I I wouldn't start Tony Romo again. They need to get beyond that era. Dask Pres- Dak Prescott, this is his team now. Tony Romo is out for good.
0: We got Romo and Des Bryant out. And then I'm going to flip teams here. I'm going to go to the New York Giants. They are hurting bad. They're 2-2. Two and two. Eli Apple, the first-round pick, number 10 overall from Ohio State. Didn't even play last night. He's been hurt this season. And I'm going to go with one of the biggest stories of the football season – And that's Odo Beckham Jr. What is going on with his head right now? He can never keep his composure. He looks like a child out there trying to get in all these fights with everybody. It's weird to look at him right now to last year, right before they played Carolina. Everybody's loving him. He's the only playmaker on the offense. And then he loses his cool with Norman, and then everyone takes Norman's side. I'm on Norman's side. I think Odo Beckham Jr. is a little punk, and I cannot believe that he is on the sideline throwing a tantrum because he's not getting the ball. He said today he's not having fun anymore. Like, that's a problem in the locker room. They got one of the best receiving cores out there with Shepard, him. I mean, that's – an, and Victor Cruz, who's coming back healthy. Eli Manning needs to step up, take control. He's got the C on his jersey for a reason. You have Manning on your jersey. That means you're a huge player on the field. Do something about it.
1: I agree, and I, I don't like what it, or Odell Beckham has been doing uh, as of late. I would compare him to one of those childhood stars, you know, like a Disney star or something where they have so much fame early on in their career, and then they struggle a little bit, which is what he's doing right now, and they start to throw temper tantrums. And that's what he's doing. He's just losing his cool. He needs to keep his composure, grow up a little bit, and and become a veteran player in this league in the years to come. Absolutely.
0: So now we're going to switch topics here. We're going to switch to the MLB. Playoffs are starting tonight. Right now we have the Toronto Blue Jays are playing the um, Baltimore Orioles, excuse me. And then tomorrow we have a unbelievable pitching matchup between possibly two Hall of Famers. We have Syndergaard for the Mets, and we got Bumgarner for the Giants. Both have done unbelievable the past couple years in the playoffs. Who wins this game and why, Jackson?
1: Well, I've got the Mets winning this game. I, I think that they... Have the better chance. I think that they are going to rally around Syndergaard, and he might be the best pitcher in the NL right now. And I mean, and he was so impressive through the playoffs last year. I I, this Mets team has overcome so many injuries to get to this point that I think that they're going to take this confidence and this mentality to get back to the World Series. I see them making a good playoff run. I see them. Beating the Cubs, beating the Cubs again. Let's say that. Really, you're going on the edge and
0: say they're beating the Cubs.
1: I'm saying they're beating the Cubs. Listen, listen. Even though they've got Mats and Degrom out right now, I think that they they have the pitching staff with, with Syndergaard who has the ability. Well, I guess you could say this one with anybody, but he has the upper hand. If he's out there, the Mets have the upper hand and will probably win. Bartolo Colon, while he's had his struggles, he's doing really well this year. They've got some young guys, some young pitchers coming up to take place of DeGrom and uh, Steven Matz who are out right now. And I think that they, they can fall under Syndergaard's wing and they can start rolling. And I think this Mets team can really do some good things. They've got some good hitters, Cespedes um as dribble cabrera yeah
0: no, no you're not great talent on absolutely that team. i mean both teams finished 87 and 75 uh right now the mets have the home field advantage for this game in city field in new york so that's going to be tough to watch out for noah sinegard this season finished the year 14 and 9 with a 260 era he had 218 strikeouts and then he's going up against madison Bumgard. But Bumgarner, excuse me, 15-9 record, two seven four ERA, 251 strikeouts. Both these guys are the ace on this pitching staff. I want to say the Giants have less pressure playing on the road. I think they come in there. I think they've been struggling as of late, but obviously got hot the right time to make the playoffs in front of the Cardinals. I think their lineup puts a couple runs up early in the, in the first couple innings, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be tough, but I think the Giants pull this one out maybe 5-2, to two. Um, but we'll go from there. I mean, we'll have to see next week what's going on with everybody. I think Buster Posey's been here, done that. And you know what? It is an even year. So you never can count out the Giants because, I mean, you've seen the last two years every single year. They know how to get 10. it done. They know how to get it done. And they've got, I mean, veterans all over the field. Multiple guys on this field have multiple rings. So you always have to watch out for them. Looking forward, you said you have the Mets beating the Cubs. So that takes the Cubs out after that. And We'll then,
1: see. I, I would like to say that. I might correct myself when we get there, but as of now, yes.
0: As of now, and then looking at the other NL matchup, you have the Dodgers and the Nationals going at it. Who do you have in that series?
1: Well, I've got the Nationals in that series, and I and that's because the Dodgers have just been struggling hitting hitting-wise. The Dodgers have had – they have too much talent on that team to be struggling as much as they do, and, I mean – while they while they have good while they have good pitching, they lack, especially compared to Bryce Harper and everyone on that Washington squad. Um they have they're they're twenty second overall in batting average. They're hitting as a team two forty nine. That's terrible. Their on base percentages is uh eighteenth ranked, three nineteen. Their runs batted in fourteenth. They're just not that that is not a playoff caliber hitting staff.
0: All right, well, I'm going to go with the Nationals winning that series. I think they are the number two seed, so they get the home field advantage for a short series. They have Scherzer throwing the first game. Then they got Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Roark. Those are three very, very good pitchers. And they got Mark Melanson. They traded for him from Pittsburgh. Great closer to have. And then I got a pull for Dusty Baker, old manager for the Reds, never got past that first round. And then he leaves and everything goes to burn. So I'm rooting for them. I want to see Bryce Harper do well. I never – have been a fan of him till this year he's on my fantasy team so I gotta (laughs) tip my cap to him for helping me uh do so well and then Daniel Murphy that guy's postseason bound every year with the Mets last year hitting so many home runs and I mean he just missed out on the batting title behind uh DJ LeMahieu from Colorado by tenths of a point but he gets the hits the ball almost 350 so you gotta watch out for that offense for the Nationals then looking at the um al uh, who do you have winning tonight zero zero when uh i believe it's a no it's uh two to two, at the two, top, two the nine. top nine excuse me who do you have winning this game and why and then who do you have moving on after that because they play texas the winner of this one
1: um well it's tough i mean it i i think both of the teams could come out and win at this point i've i've, I've liked the blue jays I'm coming good. in um the Orioles just have uh, been too streaky they they haven't been there enough recently and I mean it's a tied game at the top of the ninth right now I have the Blue Jays their experience is going to take them over the Orioles in this game and that's that's just it
0: I hope so too I think the uh, Jays win this and then it sets them up against Texas and we've been waiting for this matchup for a long time since the opening month of baseball in April I know it seems forever ago because it was forever ago I want to see Joey Bats get at it again with Odur and see what happens as Fumes will be boiling over the lid. Uh, I say if Toronto wins this game, I think they're going to carry and beat Texas, and then the Boston and Cleveland. It's going to be a, a bloodbath. Big Poppy trying to go out on top, and Cleveland first time in the postseason in a couple years, and the first time winning the division since 08. So good luck to the Cleveland Indians. I'm going to be rooting for you guys.
1: Well. I'm going to go back to the Texas Rangers and uh they they flew under the radar this year a little bit. They had the best record in the AL uh this year. They were the first per, they're the first team to make the playoffs in the AL. And they were just overshadowed by the Cubs and their great regular season performance. I think they are a better regular season team than they could be in the playoffs, but we'll see. As for the Indians uh taking on uh the Red Sox here. I've got the Red Sox. Really? You're picking against your team? I'm picking against my team because it's Big Poppy's year. If you look at their hitting stats as a team, they are number one overall in every single category. You got Mookie Runs. Burt, you man, got he's a, unbelievable. Runs, you've got 878 excuse me, runs. Their batting average is almost at 300 at 282. That's the first place in the MLB. On base percentage, 384. Also first place. 461 slugging percentage. You can't beat that offensive productivity, and that, and I think that's what's going to carry them over. They're going to do it for Big Poppy in his last year. It hurts me, but I'm going to pick the Red Sox. I
0: mean, they're the team of destiny for sure. You got Poppy playing his last year, trying to go out like Ray Lewis or a Peyton Manning. Yeah, that's uh, right. If he gets past you guys and ends up making it all the way to the World Series, I'll be pulling for him. But we'll have to wait and see with that. Where oh, if, I'm not pulling for him. Okay. Well, I mean, if, <laughs> if he gets that, if he gets past you guys, obviously. Oh yeah, you be yeah, yeah. Him, he's a great guy. We're gonna to switch topics here to the NCAA. You're listening to J and B Weekly Wrap Up. I'm Bob of the Vine. alongside me is Jackson Schroeder. We're gonna talk about the new top five. Who is your new top five after the crazy weekend, Jackson? Starting at five.
1: Starting at five, I have uh, the I've got the Washington Huskies. Um, wow. Well, have you seen Have you seen what they did? Did you no, see? Absolutely. The-
0: I just don't think the Pac-12 is that good. I think Sanford was. Way inflated after beating a very bad Iowa team last year in the Rose Bowl. And I think Christian McCaffrey is not overrated, but he's the only playmaker on that team. No one else can step up. They had a good quarterback in Hoag last year, and he's gone. No one can step up as quarterback, and we'll see what happens. But I think think the Pac-12 is in trouble if Washington goes down. There's not another powerhouse out there.
1: Well, yeah, but they beat the number seven Stanford team 44 to 6, and they've been a presence since the beginning of this season. They Their offense hasn't scored less than 35 points a game, and they're determined. I think by far they're the best team in the Pac 12. Item is my number four, very first week of this season. Started to doubt myself when they were dropping down to 10, but I think that's just because they had a tough schedule or a weak schedule that made it tough for them to make any improvement in the polls. Um, I've got the Huskies at number five. I don't think they make it into the playoffs. I don't think that they are a great team. I think that there's some teams in other divisions that could be better at them, but you still have that are better than them. But you still have them at number five, five and oh, just coming off a win against number seven, Stanford, 44 to six. It's hard not to have them there at number five.
0: Okay. Who do you have at number four?
1: Uh, Number four, I've got Clemson. Okay. Um, Clemson that was such an impressive win over Louisville and it, the tough thing is is uh for Louisville I was saying this earlier but I think that if if they played that game against Clemson back and forth at both stadiums I think that Louisville would win the majority of those games. I think that Louisville has the better team but Clemson's been there before. Clemson has Deshaun Watson who knows how to win especially in his own on his own field and and Lamar Jackson struggled, but it also showed me that he had some poise. He he threw for one touchdown, two interceptions, but he came back and they all the way up until the end. They had a chance there, but Clemson came out as the victor in that matchup, and Deshaun Watson went off, proved he was one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in college football right now, and boosted them back up into my top five or at number four.
0: And who is number three?
1: Uh, number three, I have... I have the Michigan Wolverines. Okay. Um, they put up a a, perf- uh, a very impressive performance last week against Wisconsin. It was a good Big Ten matchup ending at 14-7. to If you watched that all the way through, Jim Harbaugh was fired up as he's always been. And they're, they're a strong team. I think they can rally behind this coach, and I think they can rally behind this past win that they had over a strong Wisconsin team. And I don't think that they can beat the Ohio State Buckeyes, but they're going to win out for the rest of the season until they play the Buckeyes. It's going to be a tough one. Who do you have at number two? Uh, number two? This is surprising. You're going to like this.
0: You're going to say Bama, aren't you?
1: I'm going to say Alabama. I've got Alabama at number two. And here's why. I just If I look at Alabama and Ohio State, I see their schedules. And I see what kind of – neither of them have played that tough of schedules yet except for maybe Alabama against old Miss at Ad- at Ad- old Miss. Um, but that's the toughest game they've played and a 34 to 6 win over Kintu- over Kentucky is not the same as a 58 to 0 win over Rutgers. And when you look in I think that both of these teams are probably equal in their abilities and I think that they could both beat each other g- each given week. But I think if you look at it right as of now Alabama and Ohio State undoubtedly the best two teams in the NCAA right now. Look at the schedules, look at the points. I've got to give Ohio State the edge in that one.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to start out at number five with the Houston Cougars. Uh, Oklahoma's battling back now, getting in the top 25. They're at number 20 right now at 2-2. Two and two. They just beat TCU last week. I think that win looks more impressive every single week, so I keep Houston at number five. Washington's just behind them after a good win, but I still don't think the Pac-12 is up to par with the – Big That's three. fair. I think That's ACC, fair. SEC, and Big Ten. Number four, I have Michigan Wolverines. I think that was a huge win, beating at home against Wisconsin, who was in the top ten. Wisconsin only falling three spots after that. Big Ten football at its finest right there, folks. 14-7, defensive showdown. Michigan's kicker uh, needs to improve, though, mightily. They missed a couple big kicks there that could have opened the game up late. And then I got Clemson at three. I think Clemson played outstanding. Uh, I got to tip my cap, though, to Teddy, or not, excuse me, not Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> that quarterback for the Cardinals this year. He played really well in the second half after starting out very slow. Cardinals, I thought, we were going to get blown out, came back, and made it a tight game as receiver. had the chance to get that first down to hopefully move the chains and get in the end zone and win that ball game late, but came up a yard short. Just fell. Just I'd like
1: there. to correct myself on uh, what I said earlier. Lamar Jackson only had one
0: interception and one touchdown, not two interceptions. There you go. Then at number three, like I said, Clemson's there. Number two, I'm going to go with Alabama. Like you, I think Alabama looked a little sluggish the first quarter against a bad Kentucky team. Ohio State played a very bad uh, Rutgers team, but they did not look. They did not make any mistakes. They looked except forward. for that
1: one fumble in the first quarter. But that was basically just a strip, and besides that, they just went on.
0: Oh, they they looked flawless. JT threw one interception. That was it, and the offense just went in all forces, 58 to nothing. I mean, you blowing out a team like that and getting the job done when you need to. They got Indiana coming in this week. Indiana, it's going to be tough because they just beat Michigan State in overtime. Huge win for them starting out 1-0 in the Big Ten. They're getting votes with three in the AP, and then – after that, it's going to be the, the game everyone's going to be circling up in Wisconsin. Hopefully we'll see if that's a top 10 matchup or not. So that is my top 10. Who's your biggest surprise so far?
1: Well, I've got to be at, the, at this week. This week, my biggest surprise was Louisville. I was very confident in them and Lamar Jackson being the best team in the NCAA at the end of this year. And um, they just ran into a tougher, more experienced Clemson team. And Lamar Jackson did keep his posure. He only had one touchdown passing, but two on the ground with 162 yards. But it just is upsetting that they couldn't get it done. Their defense has struggled. I thought their offense would outmatch Clemson's, but Deshaun Watson threw for five touchdowns. I was very, I was very surprised to see the outcome of that game, watching it all the way through.
0: Now I'm going to go with an ACC team as well. I'm going to go with the Miami Hurricanes.
1: Ooh, I love that.
0: I am so excited to have them back in a presence in the NCAA. Ranked 10 right now. You got Mark Ricks, your old coach from Georgia. That's right. They're 4-0. They beat App State a couple of weeks ago, which you were very surprised about. And then they also beat Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech this past week. They have a grueling schedule coming up. They have to play home against Florida State home against North Carolina, those are two top 25 teams. Then they go on the road to Blacksburg, Virginia, and play Virginia Tech. Then they play Notre Dame. If they can get through these games and somehow stay unbeaten, expect them to rise very high in the top 10 and possibly be in that playoff picture for the ACC as they can take over that, their side of the coastal. I mean, they don't have to play anyone like Louisville or Clemson until the, the ACC championship, so that could be perfect for them. Uh, that would be a top five matchup, but they're both undefeated at that point for sure. And it would be definitely one to be watched for.
1: Oh, definitely. They've got some serious playmakers on offense. And uh, Brad Kaya yeah. is behind Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, probably, but he is the third best quarterback tied with JT Barrett in my mind in the NCAA right now. I think that he has the. He has the potential to take this team very far, and we'll see. We'll see when they play Clemson or Louisville. We'll see how big of contenders they actually are because they haven't had that statement game yet.
0: Not yet, but and I, mean, I been, think they could. I, I'm excited for that. they got to win these games coming up to get themselves in the ACC championship. The ACC Coastal is always a bloodbath for that first with always a couple of losses, but if Miami stays perfect, man, they obviously got a lock there, and they'll be very highly ranked. Now, this past weekend, I don't know if anyone watched college football a lot, but there were some crazy finishes. Florida State got beat by North Carolina at home on a 54-yarder from the kid who did the uh, seminal chomp all the way down the field. Georgia Bulldogs lost in a heartbreaker. They were down by four through a Hail Mary touchdown with 10 seconds to go, had an unsportsmanlike conduct, which moved the ball back 15 yards for the kickoff. That gave one chance. One chance for Tennessee, and they came up with a Hail Mary going right back the other way. Unbelievable finish. That is the team of destiny so far I have <laughs> in this 2016 football with Josh Dobbs leading the way in Tennessee. They just don't lose. Wisconsin went to Michigan, lost 14-7 to in a barn burner, and then Louisville ended up getting beat. It was an upset because they were favored in Clemson at night. So what was your biggest win out of those four last week?
1: The biggest win was Louisville, but I don't think it was the most interesting. Most
0: exciting? Who was the most exciting win?
1: Most exciting was Georgia and Tennessee. That was if you watch the end of that game, that was completely ridiculous. Josh Dobbs gets the job done for Tennessee week after week. I don't know how he does it. Appalachian State in week one. This Tennessee team. They should have lost that game. They should have lost, lost almost every single game on their schedule up to this point. And they've been playing good teams, good SEC teams. We'll see, though. Their toughest test comes this next week against number 9 Texas A&M. And uh, that's going to be a really big game. If they can figure out how to get it done against a powerhouse in the SEC West then I will tip my hat to the Volunteers.
0: Yeah, no, this is going to be the biggest game of their season thus far because they play A&M, then they play Alabama going back-to-back. Back. If they can beat A&M this week, they will be jumping up from their number 9 right now. I would have them in the top 7 or 6 for sure just to have that marquee matchup between Bama.
1: I think they would be. If they beat A&M this week, I have them at
0: 6. A&M's at 8, Tennessee's at 9, and the AP – I think that was the most exciting game I've seen in a long time. I had a couple friends over watching that. We were jumping up and down, screaming, going crazy. But I'm going to look at the Florida State loss as a huge takeaway. Why? Because everyone was so hung high on Florida State. Ole Miss losing that game makes them look so much worse now. After they lose and get get the snot beat out of them against Louisville, and then they lose at home against the North Carolina team on a 54-yard field goal, that's not looking good for Florida State right now with two losses. They are in deep trouble down south in Tallahassee. Moving forward now, if you can look at a spoiler team, a team with two losses or more that can make a one-loss team or an undefeated team trip up and knock them out of the college football playoff contention, who would it be and why, Jackson?
1: Um, Actually, following what you said, I've got Ole Miss as the number one um, as the number one team that could make the college football playoffs. As at two losses in the SEC West, I think that they have a chance. Pollers like them in the SEC West. I think that they ha- have the potential to beat anyone. Chad Kelly is a great quarterback. He can get the job done, and they've got a very athletic defense. They've got a good. They've got a good head coach. I this team can win any week and they can lose any week. You see what they did against Alabama. You see what they did against Georgia. That that Florida State loss is just crushing. It is crushing them. And a loss against the number one team in the country isn't really a loss. I mean, th- that means that you lost to the number one team that you could play. And uh, I look at them as a one-loss team. Disappointing loss to Florida State that they could have put away very quickly. Uh, but they didn't do that. I, I I still see them as a threat though.
0: I'm going to go with a Big 12 team who can chop up the Big 12 and take the knees out is the Oklahoma Sooners. They are two and two right now ranked number 20th. There are only 3 teams left in the Big 12 with only one loss or less. Baylor sitting at 5 and 0, West Virginia at 4 and 0, and Texas Tech with an unbelievable offense at 3 and 1. Oklahoma plays all these teams. Everyone in the Big 12 plays everyone, which I do like. There's no conference championship team. If Baylor gets tripped up, the Big 12 offenses are so powerful. The defenses can't keep up with it at all. That's why Charlie's strong and Texas is in a hot seat right now. I think Oklahoma beats up West Virginia late in the season. I think they take control of Texas Tech. That Baylor game is going to be a circle because if Oklahoma ends up winning this division or winning the conference excuse me, as the Big 12 with two losses, The Big 12 gets shut out of the playoff. Houston takes over, and that's the end of the story. And I think that's going to be a lot of hardship on the Big 12 not being in once again, as they did two years ago when they had two teams with one loss in Baylor and TCU. But they're in trouble right now, I think, the uh, the Big 12 with Oklahoma, who can be so good at times with two losses right now.
1: I think they're in trouble too. And I don't like this Oklahoma team, though. I think that they – aren't what they were last year, and I think that was proved against Clemson that they weren't even that great going into the college football playoffs last year. Maybe a Baylor team was better than them. The Big 12 has been on the decline for the past few years now. I could see Oklahoma winning out in the Big 12, but I still don't think that makes them a playoff no, worthy team. No, no,
0: team. They're not playoff I'm just saying they could destroy like they can hurt the the no-loss or one-loss teams from making the playoffs. Okay, like yeah, they I can give them, them a to that. Yeah, There's okay. No way. There's no way a Big 12 team gets in if Oklahoma is the outright champion. So that is all we have for Jackson. We're going to actually bring in a buddy, Chris Tanner from Tampa Bay, Florida, and we're going to have him come on and talk betting real quick. Welcome back everyone. J and B weekend wrap up. I'm Bobby Levine. Alongside me now is Chris Tanner coming all the way in from Tampa Bay, Florida. Chris, welcome in, bud. Thank you. Welcome in, Bobby. Thank you. Glad to be with you guys. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about the NFL for this coming week, week five. I got a couple big games to look out for. I'm going to give you the team name, the spread, and you're going to tell me who wins and why. Now this is going to be Tom Brady's first game back from suspension. The Patriots are 3-1 and one going to the Cleveland Browns, who are 0-4 and, and struggling mightily. The spread right now in Cleveland is New England by ten and a half. Who wins this game and why? Well,
2: first of all, I didn't know Cleveland had a football team from the way that they played the past couple of weeks. I didn't know they still existed there. But um, I, I can't say, too. and for Tom Brady, you know, coming back here, is, you know, and this is a big Bill Belichick the other day, um, say he's on a day-to-day basis at the camp. We all know that's a bunch of BS here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, New England – see. I can see they're putting about 30, 35 points on the board, but I'll check also make it a point with coming back first game. Uh, Cleveland Browns, Cody Kessler, um, they got problems there in the offensive line at all. I can see this as a close one and maybe a backdoor cover by Cleveland, but if you're looking to make value in this, I, I would take the New England Patriots in the first half to cover the line in the first half. Yeah. Overall, 10 points, a double-digit on the road favorite, is kind of tough in the
0: NFL. Oh, absolutely. It's a very surprising stat right there. You never want to see the – I mean, obviously the Browns are struggling mightily so far. Uh, I think it's going to be a long Sunday for them. I think Brady's going to come back pissed off, and I think he destroys that defense. i got another team very surprisingly so far at 4-0, the Minnesota Vikings. They lost Teddy Bridgewater earlier in the season, and then they lost uh, Adrian Peterson. They're walking up on backups right now with Sam Bradford and then uh, by committee there with Asiata and, and McKinnon. They are home once again and playing the Houston Texans, who are 3-1. and one. Minnesota is favored by six points. Who wins this game? Well, if, if anybody watched the Minnesota Vikings last night,
2: basically I can see they have one of the top defenses in the NFL. Uh, minus Teddy Bridgewater, I'm thinking in the next couple weeks nobody's going to really know who Teddy Bridgewater is in Minnesota. Sam Bradford keeps going the way he is. Um, this is the type of offense Sam Bradford likes. Uh, he said it in his first start from Minnesota. He said it again this last night in the press conference. Uh, Houston Texans, well, you know, they're a general the high team to me. Lost J.J. Watt um, last week out for the season. Defense is struggling. They struggle on the road, Uh high-tempo atmosphere in Minnesota. I can see Minnesota getting to cover six points with no problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be tough for the Texans to come in. J.J. Watt losing on that defense is – the biggest story of the line so far for that Texans team—they're going to be struggling mightily. I think uh, Bradford picks apart that defense and obviously covers that spread. I got one more game before you could pick your game of the week. I've got the Falcons at three and one going to Denver, who's four and zero oh under Simeon, the rookie quarterback. Denver's favored by five and a half points. Well, this, this, the
2: situation of this is on Simeon. Uh, if he's going to get to start, uh, Paxton Lynch came
0: in uh, relief for him on Sunday when he went down with a shoulder injury. Absolutely. Uh, we still know that disorder, whether he's going to start
2: or not. Um, Vegas posted this line at 5.5, and, and I'm assuming they think he is going to start. But with Paxton Lynch starting in this game, he came in against the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh here on Sunday, and then they became negative late again for two weeks in a row. Uh, with lightning here in the area. And if they played tonight,
0: they would have lightning here in the area. And tonight because it was raining in the front of the line, here. Yeah, um, I, I was talking to my dad about that. I was saying they should just change all the teams in that Tampa Bay area to the Tampa Bay Lightning just because, I mean, that's ridiculous. Two weeks in a row at home and everyone has to leave because they don't want to stick around for a blowout loss again.
2: Uh, defense for Atlanta um, is so-so. The defense for Denver, we all know. Uh, the key thing is going to be a team to lean against uh, Julio Jones who had a Huge game against uh, Carolina on Sunday with three hundred yard reception all. this line here probably just gonna depend on the Terry in the starts. Um, if he does start, uh, Atlanta can hang in there for the first half, and I think the altitude will set in for them on the second half. If he doesn't start, I may look at the Falcons here. Or the total here, does to the fact that the just gonna probably run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Paxton Lynch, not much reps, uh probably he's gonna he's gotten so far in the year in a starting game, so I can see this. Depending on Trevor Simmons, I take the
0: Broncos. If he doesn't, I'm going to lean towards the Atlanta Falcons. All right, I'm agreeing with you 100% there. I think the offense for the Atlanta Falcons are going to be too uh, too aggressive and too potent on that defense for Denver if Trevor Seeming does not start. Now, if you could pick a game in the NFL that everyone's either overlooking or underlooking, who would it be and why? I'm going to go West Coast again.
2: I'm going to go the Oakland Raiders. I picked the Oakland Raiders on, on our radio show here on uh, beginning of the season. I, you know, they're a team. Derek Carr. The offense can put up points as far as the defense gives up a lot of points. The City the Chargers. I mean, completely blew that game Sunday against the uh, New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees goes in there where he was traded several years ago. Comes back to his home spot. Down, I think they've got two touchdowns there. They come back and they beat. Uh, the San Diego Chargers. I think San Diego's going to be in a letdown spot, open, division game. Four and a half point favorites the Raiders are against the San Diego Chargers. I like the Raiders in this
0: one to cover this with no problem. Absolutely. I'm agreeing with you 100%. They're a team that can be very dangerous moving forward. Uh, they went to Baltimore last week and got a huge win late and knocked off the 3-0 and uh, Baltimore Ravens. Now we're going to switch topics here. We're going to go to the uh, college football. Now, Texas Longhorns are two and two. Very, very hot topic for the hot coach there, who's on the hot seat. That's Charlie Strong. He fired his offensive coordinator. He's going to be calling the plays. It's his last uh, last straw. As I'm looking at it right now, it's a Red River ri- rivalry against Oklahoma, who's ranked 20th. Who's also two and two, but coming off a huge win against TCU. Oklahoma was favored by ten and a half, but last year they lost this game. Who wins this game and who covers that spread? Charlie Strong was on the hot seat last year when the Red. Rubber-
2: Red and Ribble rivalry happened. Do you remember what happened last year?
0: Yeah, surprised <laughs> everybody. Big. Have you seen that that guy that's he's like six foot seven? They, they call him the freight train in Texas. Have you seen that guy play Swoops. Swoops. Absolutely. He's a powerhouse runner and down to the goal line for them. I totally agree. I'm going to take i going to take
2: Texans in ten. For Texas Longhorn in ten. I'm going to take them in ten. Bob Stoops. You had your opportunity last year. You haven't impressed me. Bob Stewart has not impressed me all year long. They come in and I smacked in them out in week one against Houston. TCU, they caught TCU in the off balance with a couple of missing players on defense and all and everything. They came in there and played. I'm not impressed with, with Oklahoma so far, but Texas gets up with this Red River Highway, And don't be surprised if they don't win this game outright with
0: the freight train. Wow. That's gonna be a huge upset if that does happen. I think if Oklahoma Covers the spread by ten and a half. I think that's the last game we'll see from Charlie Strong and coaching that Texas Longhorn uh, team down there. Moving forward to the SEC, Tennessee ranked number nine. Unbelievable win last week at Georgia on a Hail Mary prayer by Dobbs coming down with it. They're 5-0, and and they're playing Texas A&M, who's also 5-0, and ranked eight in Kyle's Field at College Station. Right now A&M's favored by six and a half points. This
2: is, this is crazy. Quarterback for uh, Texas A&M, strong. I love this kid. He is awesome. The problem with Tennessee is they don't play in the first half. They don't show up in the first half. You don't show up with the 12th man down there in Texas A&M, you're
0: going to have problems. This seven points is easy for Texas A&M to cover. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, Trevor, nice. Just
2: like that for a quarterback for Texas A&M.
0: Yeah, that's Trevor. And... with that Tennessee secondary. This, Texas A&M rolls Tennessee. See, I, I'm looking at it this way. Uh, Trevor Knight's the quarterback at A&M. He's the transfer student from Oklahoma under Bob Stoops. There end up leaving them, and and he's been on a roll so far with the Aggies offense. I'm looking at Tennessee though. This could be the team of destiny this year. A couple years ago, we saw Auburn with that huge hail mary against Georgia, and the weekend following that, they end up having that return six to beat Alabama. That end up pushing them into, into the uh, SEC championship. And then the uh, outright championship where they lost to Florida State and Jameis Winston, but I can see Tennessee somehow sneaking by. They've done it every single week where they've looked like they've been dead to rest, and they're going to finally lose a game. But they last week—I don't know how they won that game. The week before, they were down huge to Florida. They should have lost week one. I would not be surprised if somehow Tennessee escapes this game and moves on and plays Alabama next week. And, and Tennessee, Tennessee doesn't have a long, on board.
2: You, never, you ever look ahead? There's looking ahead.
0: I guess we'll have to wait and see at 3.30 on Saturday. Last game I'll ask you before you could pick a game. At 8 o'clock in the ACC, down by you guys, we've got the Florida State Seminoles who are 3-2 and two ranked the 23rd, and then the Miami Hurricanes finally back in the top 10, which seems like forever ago. They're 4-0 under Brad Kaya. They're at home. Their are favored three and a half. Are the Hurricanes the real deal this year?
2: They are the real deal, but just remember, this is still Al Golden's boys. He's the ones that recruited Mark Rick is coming in and working with what he got. Next year, Mark Rick will be able to go out and get his own players. Uh, and Florida State, they have an impressive. They were down in Mississippi, team back there. Okay, impressive. Um, they rolled South Florida. Of course, the first play of the game, South Florida scores. You know, On the first play of the game, they score. Florida State comes back and And then they just punch South Florida in the mouth. Well, last week, you're a 10-point favorite at home. The so North Carolina is a, is a very good team. Larry Fedora doing a great job there. And you get beat outright. You're 21 nothing before the seats got warm in Tallahassee. Yeah. You know there's, a problem, there's a problem with that defense here. And I, I was speaking to a Florida State alum yesterday, um, and he was telling me, our whole problem is defense. The quarterback is so, so, he's got to learn to be a little more aggressive and learn the system a little more. You can't rely on Dalvin Cook all the time. The Miami Hurricanes, well, they're set. They're ready to go. I need a change role, and we don't have to worry about
0: anything going wide right. No, no, you're right about that one. No, the quarterback of Florida State, Francois, he's played so, so, so this year. He's had seven touchdowns and only two interceptions. His defense, as you said, that's I've never seen a Florida State defense this bad this early on in the season. Usually they're out there carrying the team. Just like James Winston, the defense stepped up multiple times to, for him to get back to the playoffs after they won the championship. I'm very surprised, but I'm really excited to see what Miami can do in and, and primetime once again. This is the first time they've been relevant in a long time, and I'm, I'm glad that's going to help out the college landscape a little bit. I hope Miami wins this game. We'll see if they can cover the spread. And now you can pick your final game of, the, of college football for a surprise here. Who do you have, Chris? I got an upset learner. Uh oh! Name and it. I will give you an upset alert in the top three. There's an upset alert. Don't say Ohio. Don't say Ohio State. No. Good. Okay. Who, who's your team? Alabama's
2: on, Alabama's on upset alert.
0: Oh, ho, ho, ho. you're putting the Crimson Tide Alabama's on upset Arkansas. alert.
2: There's one to Arkansas. They're 14-point favorites on the road. Yeah. Okay. I don't care if it's a Nick Saban team or not. This is an average Alabama team. Going into Arkansas, I know the lead running back for Arkansas was arrested for, uh, I think, public intoxication disorder kind conduct or something by by campus police. who oh, no, knows that might have been a setup by Alabama. But they have a running back on the bench. That is just as good. That's going to come in and play. Brent Field is going to have his team ready in prime time. Alabama better hold on. It's going to be a long name, Arkansas. I'm going to grab the points in Arkansas. I think it's 14 right now. Yeah. I'm going to grab a little bit on
0: that money line, too. Don't be surprised. Alabama on upset alert. No, I'm with you 100%. I've liked Arkansas this whole year. Brad Bielema is finally getting all of his recruits down there. He's built an off, or offense built for the Big Ten with so many big offensive linemen. And I don't know if you remember last year when Alabama played Arkansas and the year before they've always been tight games. Two years ago when Alabama went to Arkansas they won by a single point. I'm with you there i'm I, if I was the Crimson time i 'd be definitely worried i hope I hope Arkansas can pull off an upset and just flip the entire landscape for NCAA on its head. That is all the time we have this episode. Thank you again, Chris Tanner coming all the way from Tampa Bay, Florida, the hometown of the lightning baby I mean you got got to watch yourself down there with all the football going on and, and got to evacuate the stadium. Hopefully next week you could join us once again. Same time, and again, thank you, Jackson Schroeder. This is J&B Weekly Wrap-Up. Thank you, everybody.